0: Hi friends, I'm Molly, your host today, and thank you for joining our Relief from Darkness podcast where we're continuing conversations with people who've walked out of various hard places in their lives and straight into freedom. So today we're going to be hearing from Allie and her walk out of substance abuse. Allie is a mother of one who works in full-time ministry and serves as a volunteer with No Boundaries International. And today she has been set free and redeemed by Jesus and now lives with the purpose of sharing the message of hope to men and women who find themselves still stuck in difficult situations. Hi friends, I'm Molly and we're here today with our Relief from Darkness crew where we're continuing our conversations exploring how we can truly be set free from the stuck places in our lives. And we are talking anything ranging from anxiety, depression, eating disorders, suicidal thoughts, pornography addiction, and really everything in between. Because we really do believe that the thought process that have us in these hard and stuck places can be healed. And as our thought processes change and heal, our brains change. And if you can change your brain, you can change your life. <laughs> so for this session, we're going to be hearing from Allie and her experience with substance abuse. So she's joining us along with our very own brain geek, Dr. Lori Hi, Basie. guys. And she's going to help us kind of understand the basic neuroscience behind substance abuse and what that looks like and what's going on in someone's brain physiologically. So with that, a little background on substance abuse is substance abuse is the excessive use of a substance. And that can be drugs or alcohol. And it's whenever you use it in a way that's damaging to yourself or to society or both and this can include both physical and psychological dependence which can eventually lead to addiction and the difference in this is that physical dependence is caused by um, prolonged use which alters physiological functioning which can lead to withdrawal symptoms whenever the drug is discontinued and then psychological dependence refers to the necessity to keep taking the drug even in the absence of physical dependence And just to start us off, a little bit of the current statistics is that um, 700,000 drug overdose deaths have been recorded in the United States since the year 2000. And then they're saying that um, it's about 12% of Americans age 12 and over use illegal drugs. And then it gets even crazier because if you include tobacco and alcohol in that, it goes all the way up to 60% of Americans age 12 and up that currently abuse drugs. And that is based off if they used within the last 30 days. So this topic couldn't have come at a better time. So with that, Allie, can you kind of tell us about your experience with substance abuse?
1: Yes, um, I used just about everything under the sun, from the time that I was fifteen to twenty-four, um, and at fifteen, I was just in this state of defiance and rebellion, and operating out of a hunger inside that um, I didn't, I couldn't recognize. I didn't know what that was, but I, I was hungry for. Intimacy and connection, and I wanted to be deeply known and deeply loved. Mm. And so that drove me to um, finding a false sense of connection with people around me. So I started partying, um, rebelling, you know, stealing my parents' car, and, and finding that I was surrounded by these people. And um, with that came drugs and alcohol. And, you know, the first time that I remember drinking, I blacked out yeah. and, uh, looking at it now I can see, well, there's your sign. And so my, just a little bit of background, uh, my, um, parents are not addicts. They're not alcoholics. When I say my parents, my mom and my stepfather who raised me, thats my dad. Mm-hmm. But, um, Pretty much everyone else in my uh, family was and is addicted to some form of substance. And so it was definitely around. um, And I think that genetics do play a big part into substance abuse and what's going on inside of somebody spiritually and emotionally. And so, um, yeah, by the time I was 17, I... I was using and partying pretty heavily um and I had run away from home and I was living with the boy that I ran away with, who I ended up marrying. I was strung out on meth and cocaine, and at eighteen, I was married, and yeah. that cycle just continued um all the way into my mid twenties, but what I found was that the substances i couldn't get enough like yeah. when i would use or drink i just i could not stop once i started and with that though came circle like circles of people and um i found a what i thought was a bond it was a false sense of intimacy and connection and the driving force for everyone of course if you look at the center of that it was the drugs or alcohol it was the scene that we were in and so at the end of every time, you know, either the bottle or the sack was empty and so was I and nobody was around and I was isolated and lonely and stuck and it just continued. Like I was, I, I always think about a hamster on a wheel that yeah. just keeps going and going and there's like, there's no purpose, there's no destination and man, it's miserable.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that was 15 to 24. So that was probably, so that's about nine years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um Dr. Laurie, can you go ahead and give us just while we're here kind of the brain dump on substance abuse, especially knowing like in that age range of 15 to 24, what's going on in her brain whenever she's
2: using or addicted? Absolutely. I think I want to back it up just a little bit and before I talk about substance abuse, I want to talk about the adolescent brain. So they say when you're an adolescent, you're going to lose almost about half of your brain. Literally? (laughs) Well, and the cool thing is, is eventually, Molly, more than 40% of all of our synapses are eliminated largely in... Our brain during this time. And so our brain becomes a lot more specific during adolescence. And so they say the two biggest changes in your life are when you first are born and you start to adapt to the world outside of your mother's womb over those several years and then during adolescence. And then so as our brains are literally changing during that age range, let me read you just a few descriptions of what's going on with the adolescent. They say they're confused. They may be annoying or demanding or moody, or defiant, or reckless. (laughs) Anybody can think of their friend who acts like that. And so during this time, accidental deaths, homicides, binge drinking, and use of substances spike during this time. And what the scary thing is, is that most addictions get their start in adolescence. And there's evidence that adolescence And young adults' brains respond very, very differently to drugs, that in the middle of adolescence, if we start using things or if things happen or we become uh, addicted or with eating disorders or all of those things, even in studies with laboratory rats, the studies have shown that the adolescents become more addicted to nicotine faster and at lower doses. And so that's what's happening in the adolescent brain, couple that with hormonal changes. So there's all kinds of stress hormones that are being poured out, there's sex hormones and growth hormones, and that impacts brain development. And so if you think about what's happening in the adolescent brain, coupled with then feelings seem so much bigger, and, and so much more difficult to manage during this time as well. So that's just a little bit of the adolescent brain. And so at that time, if somebody starts to try to regulate or starts to starts to try to fill this void inside of them with connection, it can soon turn in from uh, I'm just trying to make myself feel better or be loved or connect to a full blown addiction. And then your brain's all weird because you've just you're only operating
0: with what'd you say, sixty percent of your synapses. So then your brain literally
2: shapes, like it's and changing changes. Shape. Yes, and you lose forty percent of the old things, and everything becomes more and more s- specific or narrower focused. And wow. then, and Molly and Ali, I'm sorry, but this is a podcast, or I would pull out my pictures of the brain. Oh, that's so all right. then there are. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. It, it, you guys, it, this is fascinating. So initially we think, so is this a moral I- issue or a religious issue or is this really a brain change issue? And so I've got pictures of brain scans of the normal brain, the three pound mass of butter that that looks really pretty well shaped versus the addicted brain, whether it be to cocaine or to Uh, pornography or whatever that is, are literally physiological changes in the structure of our brain. And so the good news is, though, they can be rechanged and reshaped. So like, have you seen those, um, you know, whenever you were
0: like younger, and you would watch those commercials of the scrambled egg, and it's like, here's your brain. And then they're like, here's your brain on drugs. And they like crack it in the frying pan. Yes. So that like really
2: is legit. Like it essentially, like it really can alter. It literally alters the shape of your brain. Okay. And so then if we're going to unpack then substance abuse, of course, we're going to use our CPR method. So connection, what does substance abuse do to connection? And then if we learn to relate to the world where we're always high or we're always using or we have less inhibitions because of the substance abuse and whatever that's trying to mask because of insecurities or those things, then it really destroys connections. And then so all of those connections are really when, when we're uninhibited with the substance abuses that are on board. We've talked about the psychoeducation and the CPR about how it literally changes and alters our brain. And then it becomes numeral uno in our life. So eventually we're wired for air and food and safety and all of those things. But eventually that thing that we did actually takes the first place. And it's what we become obsessed with or can't get enough of. And then that first high always is what we're looking for afterwards. Yeah. And then so it, it literally and then in the R changes our routine, affects our work performance, our relationships, our school. It literally alters everything when it truly becomes not only a psychological addiction, but then a physiological addiction. Yeah. Wow.
0: So Allie, then can you just shed some light on just the walkout process with that? And can you just tell us how Jesus met you in it and what he changed? This is the fun part.
1: Yeah, this is my favorite part. So at 24, um, I'm in this back bedroom that is dark and I am estranged from my at the time my husband and everyone that had ever really cared about me nobody really wanted to be around me. I was absolutely miserable. I wanted to die. I was trying to drink myself to death and you know I I would I would drink to the point of passing out and being blacked out and wake up and be so sick and just over and over and over this cycle, you know, and I'm living in this house with this guy that I met at the bar and I just can't even get out of bed. And I remember calling my mom. So, um, you know, I said at 17, I ran away from home. What, well, I met a boy and I got in the car to smoke some weed and I never went home. Mm. And so at 24, I called my mom and I said, I I need to come home. And she comes and gets me. And she says, Allie, you you can't stay here, but we found a place that you can go. And so I check in to this rehab. And I just knew something had to change. I didn't know that I needed really to get sober. Um, Right. Something had to change. Yeah, I would have been angry if at that time someone had said, you need to know Jesus. Right. Um, so I'm in this rehab, and one of the ladies that I'm with says, hey, come to Bible study. This lady comes, and she is awesome. And said, no, I think I'm going to go to AA tonight. And so she kind of kept, at you, you know, she just kept asking me to go, and I finally did. And um, I remember she had said, If you don't like it, you don't have to come back. Well, I didn't like it, (laughs) but but I kept going. And, um, you know, and Jesus used that time to speak his light into the depth of my despair. And he reached in and he pulled me out. It was about six months later. And I'm laying in my bunk. And I mean, just clear as day, I I can see it. And I'm just conscious, and I'm just thinking through everything, and I'm thinking about the woman that he used to love me to himself. She loved me, and she was there week after week after week, and she was pouring in to my life, and I wanted what she had. She had joy and this mission and a purpose, and she was fulfilled and she just came out and she would just continue to talk to us and tell us her story and how God reached into her darkness and pulled her out of it and that it was surrender to Jesus and who Jesus is and she would teach us the word and I had just kept going you know I was really I was spiritual right so during the substance abuse insanity is you have this heightened spiritual sense right and and she'll tell people today that I was real wonky and Kind of new agey and I was. (laughs) Um but the truth, man, just broke through. And I remember just laying in my bed and it was just clear as day a decision. It wasn't this big emotional, you know, breakdown or anything. And I just I just gave up. And God, Mm -hmm. I can't do this. And I don't want this life anymore. Please take me and do what you will. I believe it all. I believe all of it. I'm yours. And he is radically changed me he has changed who i am and he has given me mission and and set my life on just this beautiful path of redemption and this of love like i am loved today yeah and i'm loved by him and i know that first and foremost and i'm loved by those who are around me and it's not because i'm coming to the table with something that everybody wants apart from the Holy Spirit and the light, you know, of the truth yeah. that draws us all in. But it's, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than all of us. and And like our lives have meaning. And that's something that just hit me. And I remember like those eight months that I was in rehab just going, this can't be it. This can't be it. Like now what? I'm homeless. I have all these, you know, warrants out for my arrest and nobody likes me. And I don't want to go back. Yeah. You know? And so I just kept going forward. And, um, man, just the hope of the truth of the gospel <laughs> and redemption. Yeah. That's where Jesus met me, was in the depth of my despair. Mm-hmm. And he, pulled, he He extended the invitation to let him pull me out of that.
0: Yeah. And then you got to accept it.
1: Yeah. That's, you know, that's the thing is he offers. Right we accept.
0: Dr. Laurie, can you, can you give us the CPR or things for someone who's walking out of that? Or I'd even like to hear, like, um, if we come across someone that's kind of in that position, like, I love how, Ali how you said that woman who is just pouring and connecting with you over and over again. And I feel like sometimes whenever we don't have that direct line to Jesus. It
2: comes through people, mm-hmm. and so Laura, can you just shed some light on connection in that? I think that's so good. And so you said you were seventeen, and then at twenty-four, you went back home or reached back out to your mom.
1: Yeah. So through my addiction, I had times where I would go and crash for a little bit, uh-huh. but I, it was never. It was
2: never that. I, I'm done. Yeah. You know, which is amazing. And so with connection, we can't reiterate connection enough connection, connection, connection. And so we have to find someone and we have to maintain a lifeline or connection with someone who's safe in our life while we start to walk out of these things. And so and then if we have people that we're working with that are in dangerous places or that that are doing certain things, I love what What your mom said, she said, here's what you can do. And then she pointed you in the direction of the services or the things that you may need. So we all need to set limits in our life demanding high levels of respect and responsibility from people that are coming in. But then we need to reach out to others and say, what if that's not true? What if... There is truly Jesus. And what if we believe in people and if we prophesy over people and say that's not the fullness of the destiny that he has for you. And so they say that it only takes a short time to make a lifetime of difference in the lives of others. And I think every time we see people we could partner with either what the enemy's saying over their lives that you're addicted, you're going to end up dead, you're never going to amount to anything, you won't get out of this, or we could start to give glimmers of hope. What if it's not true that you have to be addicted? What if it's not true? true that you'll you'll not amount to anything and as we then connect with people and as we start to ignite this thing that's inside of them that Jesus put eternity in the hearts of all men so it's more natural that Ali's connected with Jesus than not but the world has tried to blind her and the God of this world has tried to blind her and once she surrenders and she is desperate for him he radically not only shows up but he shows off. And he'll walk through and give us everything that's needed and necessary with a walk out. He won't give us more than what we could handle. And he'll be with us as we walk out of that. But part of that connection is at first. And a lot of times during the process, we need people with skin on for connection. Yeah. Thank you. Um,
0: So, Ali, like in those moments, like surely this has been a walk out process, right? Like wasn't just an overnight thing. So can you kind of give some just really practical things that you do to maintain or whenever that urge back that was coming up when it was also fresh to like, use like, what truths did you run back to? Um,
1: It started with changing the music that I listened to. Oh, that's good. And so yeah, at the time, I'm, I'm still finishing out my time in rehab. And, and I had this job that I Man, I just really hated it. It was just awful for me because I worked at this dry cleaner and I just pressed shirts all day. Just the same thing over and over and over and over. Mm -hmm. I was by myself. And so, you know, I get saved and the word starts coming to mind and I'm listening to these lyrics. And like, I remember Tool was in my ears and I heard the, the line, talking about God's self-righteous suicide. It made me so mad. And I thought, I can't listen to this stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. He's talking about my God. And so I started learning about good Christian music and, and just music that changed. And so from the very thing that I was listening to just, you know, for six hours a day, pouring in truth, right? So pouring in truth and then going to Bible study and church and I remember waking up for so long, every single day, the first thing I said was, God, keep me sober today. Just keep me sober today. And it was like everything else around me, all of the distractions, all of the, like, the people that were around me that were still holding on to their old life, mm-hmm. they kind of faded away. And yeah. I just knew. like I just knew that everything was done. Everything was different. And so I just had to hold on to that. And when I graduated from that program, she and her husband came to get me twice a week, they drove like 40 minutes out of their way to come and get me and take me to church and, and friendships started to build and they were safe. And, and I got into, um, K. Arthur studies, like really digging into the word, doing inductive Bible studies. And so the, the word transformed my heart and my mind and I was faithful to worship and those relationships started to build. And so it, but it was, it was a step by step, like it started with music and then like my, the way that I spoke started to change yeah. and, but it was also intentional. Like I had to, I had to pay attention to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And so then about six months later, I stopped smoking and started exercising and just taking care of myself. Yeah. Um, so I would say just intentional. And if everything that we've done has led us to, to one place and we have to be Paying attention to what we're doing today so that we don't end up in that same place. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: that makes a lot of sense, Yeah, actually. And I love that, like, he he got to do it. Like, you got, you had the invitation into surrender. And then through that invitation into surrender, he's the one they got to transform. Mm -hmm. Like, if we could just wrap our minds around that... That there is a God, our creator, want like doesn't want us striving to just like white knuckle it into doing it, but He wants to do it with His truth. Like that's the thing that's gonna change our hearts. Those encounters, that washing of a reminding of ourselves of like, what am I gonna listen to today, or what am I gonna read, or what am I gonna choose to focus on? Like that's beautiful. Um, so if you had If you could just give like one takeaway for someone who might be struggling with substance abuse right now, or really any form of addiction, probably, what would you say? Man,
1: that there is freedom. There's freedom in that dark place. and, and, And it comes in the form of surrender, but that you are seen and known. And you were not created for this. Like you were not created to be strung out. you were designed with purpose and a plan and and to be in a relationship with your creator, like you were designed for this beautiful relationship. you were not designed for this. you don't have to be used and abused, but man, you can be used in a way that is fulfilling um that you matter and that you are, you know, it's like something that is just, man, he calls me his own. Yeah. Like he wants me there with him all the time. And nothing that I do is going to make him walk away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can hold on to that truth and lean into it even when I don't feel yeah. like it's true. Because truth doesn't change. Right. You know.
0: That's beautiful. Wow. Dr. Lori. Um, if you could give one takeaway for the listeners who might be struggling in substance
2: abuse or with these very things or just anything that you want to add, what would you say? I think we really talked about the connection in the CPR and the psychoeducation about how it literally changes their brain. But in order to change your brain back, you have to really focus on the R, which is a routine, which Allie described really, really well. So if you think about everything that that literally shapes and changes your brain you allow in through your sensory systems. So whether it's something that you're watching, somebody that you're around, what you're listening to, and the environment that you're in, what you're putting into your body, the sleep that you have or the lack of sleep. And so I think Allie described really, really well the importance of what comes in through our ear gate that'll shape our brain, what comes in through our eye gate, that'll shape our brain, the things that we do or don't do, who we're around, people that are speaking life instead of death. So does it really matter what you listen to? And the answer would be yes. Does it really matter if you're stressed out and worried and you're thinking about those things? And the answer would be yes. If you, uh, if you bring substances into your body, she talked about six months later about then stopping yeah, uh, smoking or what about her sleep hygiene or what she watching and how much blue light is she having exercise nutrition a schedule and environment because if people ask me to predict where they're going to be in six months or a year from now, I'll want to know who they're around and that's critical. I want to know what they're spending their resources on. And then I want to know what they're doing during their time. And so as we change our routine, as we meditate on the word and get the scripture in, as we start to be thankful, as we start to have expectations, as I become involved in a project that's outside of myself, these things really, really make a difference. And so I think routine is critical in the midst of overcoming substance abuse. Yeah, that's really good. So
0: what I'm hearing is if I'm at a place or if whoever's listening, if you're out of place and you're just feeling stuck in substance abuse or in that cycle that Allie described it's just like you're going back to it just over and over again. But if you could just take this as an invitation to say, yes, Lord, I don't have to do this anymore, that I wasn't designed for that. I wasn't designed to be in bondage to a substance into a bondage of just death. And I don't have to live in that cycle anymore. But if we would just come to that place of surrender and lay it down and ask Jesus to just, I don't know, just wash over us with truth and then get into a really solid routine, what I'm hearing is with those things that I could quite literally change my brain. And if I change my brain... Then you're going to change your life. And that sounds like definitely a brain shift that um, is beneficial to everyone. I mean, there's, there's life, you know, there's life in relationship with the father and it's worth it. I'm hearing you, Allie, say that it's worth it to just lay it down and come to your identity and come to your calling and to your passion and to your original design of what you're created to do and who you're created to be. So I want to thank you guys for listening. And I want to thank Allie and Dr. Lori for being here. Um, This has been incredibly fun. So until next time. See you later. Thank you guys so much for listening to our Relief from Darkness podcast. If you would like more information or looking for more resources to help overcome the topics we've discussed here, please visit the No Boundaries International website at www.nbint.org where we have a free e-course titled Journey of Restoration and Be sure to please leave us any comments or reviews as this will help get our content out to more listeners. We're praying for you guys and we will see you next time.